0: And so I realized when you can go through things that will break your heart, but not allow them to break your spirit, when you don't allow something to go from being a life season to a life sentence, that that's how you make your soul uncollapsible.
1: It's about time because we're going there. Welcome back to another episode of We're Going There. I'm your host, Bianca wattis Oltoff and we are continuing on with the conversation of starting over, beginning new, new beginnings. I am so excited because today's host is somebody that I met in the oddest of situations. And I think, Mike, welcome to the show. Let's start there. But I have to give people, do you mind if I tell people how we met?
0: Of course, go for it.
1: Okay, so oddly enough, the thing that I like about the podcast is that We get to have so many different people from so many different backgrounds. But one of my favorite aspects of doing the podcast is when I actually know this person in real life. And Mike and I met in Miami and we met in a golf cart. And I am so excited to see what God has done in your life over the last couple of years. And I loved you as a person when I met you, your humility. Here is this man who is entrepreneurial, who is successful, who loves the Lord. And yet he's carting people around guests and guest speakers around at this particular conference. Shout out to VUKON. We love VUKON in Miami. Come on. But that's where we met, and uh, we, we hit it off in such a beautiful way. But life kind of threw you a curveball. And when we were talking about this season and starting over, beginning new, knowing a little bit of your story and what you have lived through, I am so excited because this is what I know, Mike. There are people whose hearts or minds or souls – feel like they're in a million pieces, yeah. feeling so broken. And in, in in knowing your story and seeing some visuals about what you've lived through, will you take people on really speaking to an uncollapsible soul? I love your story, and I want to just start with the beginning. You are a man who is kind and loves Jesus, but you've lived through something very traumatic, a collapsing, if you will, and you're walking people through how to start over and build up from what is rubble. Take me on this journey.
0: Absolutely. So on June 24th of 2021, there was a building that just pancake collapsed in the middle of the night, and there was 101 people that went down with that building. And ninety-eight of them died. One of them was the matriarch of our family. It was the person that has loved me unconditionally with the love of Jesus since the day I was born. It was my grandmother, and you know, it was just one of those one thirty in the morning phone calls that I got. That was like, "Hey, something happened to your grandmother's building. We need to go over there." And I really had no idea what it was that I was going to be experiencing. It, it was absolutely traumatic. It is uh, by far the most deadly uh, emergency in the history of Florida that's non-hurricane related. And so when we walked up to that, uh, it just hit me on every level. It hit me physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And it was just one of those moments where you realize there's some situations in life that you cannot call on any person to save you. That you can only call in on the name of Jesus, that he's the only person that can be your refuge and your strength. And so when I showed up, my father was the first one on the scene. It was his mother. And to see my father weeping publicly, I mean, I, I had barely ever seen my father cry before. And to look towards where all the rubble was and to see my grandmother's balcony right there and to oh. contemplate that she was somewhere underneath that, that What was once a a safe haven and a paradise became a living nightmare. It took me a couple hours just to accept that it was reality. And what kind of changed everything or what began to change everything for me was I walked over to the building right next door and I just had to get away from the chaos and it felt like I was in hell. And so I did something just to attempt to bring a piece of heaven down to where I was And I started listening to this song by Vu Worship called Shelter In. And Mm -hmm. the song just claims all these promises that are in Psalm 91 about how God is our refuge and strength, and that a thousand may fall to my left and 10,000 more to my right. But no matter what, it is God who sustains us because he's our fortress. He's our refuge. As I listened to that song, it was as if the Holy Spirit had spoken to my heart, son, If your grandmother's alive underneath that rubble, it's my presence sustaining her and I will get the glory for her story. But if her body is underneath that rubble, but her soul is not, it's because her soul is in my presence in heaven. Do you trust me with either outcome? And that was really what gave me the comfort that I needed in that moment to start moving forward in the healing process through all of the trauma.
1: So talk to me, you use this phrase, uncollapsible soul. Can you define what an uncollapsible soul is?
0: Absolutely. So uncollapsible is actually not a word in the English dictionary. Collapsible is, but where it all really started, when I really think about it, I was on a mission trip with Vu uh, in 2019. It was right after uh, one of the hurricanes just absolutely decimated the Bahamas. And the devastation was Absolutely surreal. And as we were there, um, somebody that serves uh, on worship, uh, our creative director, Greg Burgess, he said something so powerful in the moment that was the seed of this book. He was looking at somebody that was in tears and said, You know, I think there's ways that God allows things to break our hearts without breaking our spirits. Mm. And what I realized is that that's scriptural. That's Psalm 34 18, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. See, why does God want to be near to you in one, but rescue you from another? Because a broken heart, we all go through loss, grief, pain, mourning, but those are seasons that we move through. It's comforting to know that not even Jesus escaped sorrow, that he wept after Lazarus died. But a crushed spirit, it's entirely different. It's where you lose your faith, your hope, and your purpose. It's like a a bird without wings or a well without water. And so I realized that the Lord wants to rescue you from that because he wants to bring purpose to the pain that in God's economy, nothing is wasted. And so I realized when you can go through things that will break your heart, but not allow them to break your spirit, when you don't allow something to go from being a life season to a life sentence, that that's how you make your soul uncollapsible.
1: I love this. I love this. Okay. So people are listening and I feel like it bears... It bears sharing, but you left us on a cliffhanger with this conversation you had with God and your grandmother. If she is alive under the rubble, you know, he is with her. But if her soul is with the Lord, so I have to ask, what was the outcome on that day?
0: So uh, the outcome was the answer that none of us want, which Mm -hmm. is no outcome. Continue to wait. And the last person was found about 30 days later. Um, fortunately, my grandmother was found six days later. She was the 12th person found. And it was, um, you know, the more that time went on, the less hope that we had that she would be alive. And I think that's why that that promise from God, that promise from the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart was so comforting. Because the real reason that I wrote the book is actually not because of the Surfside Collapse. This is going to be a little bit of a plot twist and a spoiler, but it's really just the truth of my story. Many years ago, um, I got married and I trusted God uh, to save myself for the one that he had for me. And uh, I got married when I was 24 and she was 22 and uh, gave myself to her. And I just thought, my gosh, like I trusted you, God. I have the beautiful wife. I have the home, my business is rocking. And three and a half years into our marriage, thinking that the rest of my life is essentially on autopilot, which was so naive. Um, I came home and she just had her bags packed. And she's like, hey, I need some space. I'm going to leave. I'm going to spend that at my mom's house. And she left that night and never came back. And the reason why was because she had so much trauma from her life that was unaddressed. And she didn't take the healing steps that I write about in the book. And so I didn't help her in that healing process. It was more like, hey, I rescued you from all of this. Why are you not happy? Yeah. And so I lost, I just wasn't empathizing with her. And it was an immaturity and an insecurity in my part. But the only way I can describe it is that the night that my wife left me, it broke my heart. The day that God did not save my marriage, it absolutely crushed my spirit because my faith was not attached to Jesus. I thought it was. It was attached to an outcome. And when I didn't get the outcome, my faith was broken because it was built on the wrong foundation. What I called a curse in one season ended up becoming the biggest blessing in another season because what I realize now is that God was truly teaching me, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they went into the fire. God didn't rescue them uh, from from going into the fire, but it's his presence that rescued them while they were in that fire. And I thought because God allowed me to go into the fire and that He didn't rescue me prior, that God, where were you? How can I trust you? And going through that and realizing, oh my gosh, God, I can't trust you because you had full authority of heaven, but you still chose to put skin on and feel everything we feel—pain, sorrow. Uh, torture on every single level. So when I go to you, God, you're not the God of sympathy that just feels bad for us, but he's the God of empathy, that he actually feels everything that we feel and the heart of God breaks for us. And when I realized that revelation, that's what rescued me from a crushed spirit and ultimately prepared me for Surfside. So when I got there that night, I truly had closure in my heart that no matter what the outcome, Mm. I'm going to give God the glory for. For his story, because of how my grandmother lived her life.
1: I love that. I love that. So, so many times we are prone to want to jump into immediate healing. Like, I go through this pain, I go through this collapse. And, you know, in your story, it's a physical building collapse, but there's these collapsings in our life and we just want to jump to yeah. healing. But before we can get to the healing, we are not familiar with grieving, especially in a Western culture, grief is just not what we want to hold on to. But I think before we can get to true healing, we have to grieve. So talk to me a little bit. I want to quickly go through the grief and then I don't want to jump into the healing, but essentially let's unpack grief for a little bit, but then I really want to walk through what did healing look like for you coming out of your marriage and then also the Surfside Collapse?
0: Yeah. The the healing process was very, very different because in both situations, I had a completely different response because ultimately we all go through pain and what's going to determine how you heal is the meaning that you give that pain. And the meaning I had given that pain through my divorce was God, you betrayed me. I was obedient to you and you weren't faithful to me as if obeying God means that we get a free pass from hardship. Jesus was perfect and yet he deserved to go through what he went through, but I don't deserve to go through suffering. So I just realized my, my theology was off, and, and that's why the meaning that I gave my pain was off. But when it came to Surfside, the meaning that I gave it was that God is going to use this, that it's not the end of a story, but it's the beginning of a new chapter. And so the grieving process was really terrible. You know, there's a, a, a lie that the world teaches that all things heal with time. That's not true. Maybe yeah. all things get buried with time, yeah. but if you don't allow yourself to reveal it and feel it, you won't heal from it. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I was, there was a point I was seeing a, a Christian therapist and a psychologist at the same time because I had just so many emotions and regret and so much pain to work through. And once I went through that whole process, I looked back and said to myself, okay, what is it that I actually did here that was so different from when I went through the process of my divorce? And so um, really the body of the book is, uh, is really that healing process. It's, it's so funny to me. So I've, I've been reading your book. I love it so, so much. I think what's, so, what's, what's grabbed my heart in the first one-third of your book is you and I have both literally written the same exact book. We call it different things, but your soul is meant to be uncollapsible.
1: That's why
0: when when you live that way, when you live from that, you got grit and you don't quit. You broke up your book into three phases or you call them three sections. I have my book broken up into three exact phases. It's just so funny (laughs) how in sync we are. So I would love to get to the healing part. But yeah, I I didn't. The grieving part was so terrible because the reason people... Avoid grieving and healing is because healing hurts. But I want to encourage everybody that healing is worth the hurt. It really is.
1: Hi, friends. I'm interrupting the episode to let you know of some amazing friends that help sponsor this show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, I am a fan of counseling. I talk to friends, I talk to coworkers, I talk to people at church. And what I've realized in counseling and having an outside perspective is that it's helpful in learning positive ways to cope with stress and healthy ways to set boundaries It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for those around you. It's for yourself as well. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to fit your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash going there to get 10% off your first month of counseling. That's betterhelp.com slash going there. This is so beautiful. You have this uh, rename your, your pain section that I really love. So it's like reframing some of the, the trauma that's happened in our life. Will you walk through the power of, you know, it's so funny because our books do very much mirror each other. Yes. <laughs> But that's how it was meant to be. It was meant to be. By the way, for everyone listening to this, I didn't know that Mike was going to mention my book. It, this was not a shameless plug, I swear.
0: <laughs> not at all.
1: But talk to me. I, we, we both have walked through and understand the steps that we need to go through through healing. I love that you mentioned meeting with a psychologist and also a therapist. For people who listen to the podcast, this is not going to be nude for them. But I really firmly believe in the power of theology, good theology, and good therapy. So In renaming and reframing our pain, talk to me a little about community and connection. And you also listed gratitude. I'm an ardent believer of gratitude. But in healing, can you quickly walk us through why why did you need community after this building collapse? And that there's this mirroring that I hear between the collapse of your marriage and the collapse of this building and what you've learned in the first one and what you learned in the second one. But walk me through, walk me through the power of community, power of connection with others and even gratitude.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, there's a a story in, in Luke that talks about the paralyzed man that four men carried to Jesus. And he was in a house that was so full of people that they had to bring him to the roof and tear a hole through it and lower him to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks at the paralyzed man, looks at his friends and looks back at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven because of their faith. You're healed. It made me realize that there are seasons of life that we're not just in pain, we're injured, that we cannot get back up. We physically can. But God puts people, he puts nightlights mm-hmm. yeah. in the, in our lives in the form of people that have the strength to carry us when we don't have the strength to carry ourselves. that other people's faith stand in the gap for us. But the purpose is not to stay on the mat. And the purpose is also not just to get healed. You are you get healed so that you can help heal other people, that you can go from bridging the gap of hoping for a miracle to becoming a miracle that somebody has prayed for. And you become that person that's carrying other people on the stretcher. And so that's why I talk about VU so much because, my gosh, like I don't know what I would have done through that season of life two and a half years ago had God not placed men and women around me to carry me when I couldn't carry myself. It was, that made all the difference. And I would also say that's another huge difference between my divorce and this season through the collapse because I didn't have community. I wasn't part of a healthy church back then. And so uh, that was an absolute game changer. But what you were just referring to um, is the, the five requisites to restoration. And I know you were talking about uh, renaming your pain. But the reason I call them the requisites to restoration is each step is almost like a prerequisite to the next. So uh, if you don't mind, it's okay if I go through them really fast. Absolutely. Awesome. So uh, the first thing that I talk about in the healing process is, you know, we all go through collapses around us. It's it's just not avoidable at all. And they come in different forms just to make it kind of catchy. I put them all in the forms of of B. So it can be a burial, a betrayal, a breakup or a bodily breakdown. We're all going to go through one of those or all of those. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that you have to do is treat it like a physical wound. I believe that Jesus spoke in parables because our mind doesn't think in words. Our, our minds actually think with imagination, like cinematic pictures. And so think of it, of a physical wound. If you're in the kitchen and, you know, cutting tomatoes or something and you slice through your hand, well, the first thing that you have to do is you have to reveal that wound. You have to recognize it yeah. when you acknowledge it, then you can take the next step of addressing it. And that's the second step is you have to relieve it. You have to respond to your grief. What does that look like? Well, in a physical wound... It may look like stopping the bleeding. It may look like washing out that wound. But at some point, if it's a bad enough wound, you can't handle it all by yourself. You have to actually release it. You have to relinquish your anguish, which means you have to surrender your pain. You probably need to go to the hospital and get stitches or maybe get surgery or get antibiotics so it doesn't get infected. And so the truth of the matter is, is that you have to relinquish all control And actually open yourself up. And here's the thing what they're gonna be doing to heal that cut, whether it's stitching or whatever it is, it's gonna hurt. But again, it is worth the hurt. When you go to a small group, a therapist, whoever it is, and you open up your heart, man, like one of the things that I experienced writing this book that was so tough that I did not expect is each of these. Uh, five requisites that I'm going through is actually attached to a story of someone in Surfside that actually passed away in the collapse or fell in the collapse and survived. And as I was writing their stories and reliving my trauma through their perspective, it hit me so hard. And that's that's what's so hard about surrendering is that it's going to be painful and it's going to require trust beyond yourself. But then once you go through that crucial step, now you can reframe it. Now you can rename your pain. Why? Because what was called a wound in one season that can get infected or bleed out, once it's healed, it becomes called a scar. And a scar tells a story of triumph. It can't get infected. And it's thicker callous skin. And after that, now, now you can actually renew your pain. What does that mean? You can redeem your sorrow. You can trade tears for joy. You can draw purpose from your pain. Why? Because once you receive your healing, your pain is bigger than you. Somebody needs to hear your story of how you went through a season of crushing that broke your heart, but did not break your spirit because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our, word testimony. Of our testimony. Somebody needs your testimony.
1: I love this. I love this. I also want to pause for a second because there's somebody out there that's like, what is he talking about? What to do? You know what? Shout out to pastors Rich Wilkerson Jr. and Doncher, pastors Donchery, because they literally have created and fostered such an amazing community and so much of your, what you've said. And now the healing that you found is because you were in a good local church community. So shout out to all the pastors out there and local church leaders that are making this happen. Um, but okay. So I wrote down acknowledge and address. And then that's when the renewal can begin. So let's talk about this. As we wrap this up, this is what I want people to feel like they have a practical handle. So where, where did you see that moment in your life when you said, okay, all of this has collapsed. All of this feels like it's in in rubble. Where in your moment did you walk away and say, now's the time to rebuild? And we can parallel this between your divorce and also this, this, this season of the collapse of the building. But when did you rebuild?
0: That is such a loaded question because my father gave me the honor of my life. Um, So my my father's a a public figure. He was the actual uh, chief of police for the Miami Beach Police Department. And he retired from there and he became a a chief of of a small town on your way into Miami Beach. And my father's just very used to being in the public eye. And he asked me, he said, look, I don't have the strength, the composure, or even the willpower to talk about this to the media, but they're gonna talk about this story whether we want them to or not, and it's not their story to tell. So would you represent me and your grandmother and this Mm -hmm. family and speak to the media. And I said, absolutely, because I had so much regret in my heart that I didn't get that. My grandmother used to say, I would say, I love you, Kima, I called her Kima. And she would always say, I love you more. And I never got that last moment. She was 92 years old and I always thought that I would be able to cherish it. And so I had all this pain and all this really rage against myself that I didn't get that moment. And I just unleashed it by trying to get the next closest thing, which was honoring not how she died, but how she lived and how she lived from an overflow of God's love. And so when they found her on day six, all that with the media, it stopped. And it was like, God, why did you open the store? Was this it? Was, was, and there was something inside of me that was so unsettled. And I wanted to keep going because it gave me purpose in my pain. Immediately, it was, like a, it was almost like a, a, a high, like a drug. And what I realized is once all that went away, I was using it as a crutch because I didn't want to have to go down this rabbit hole of just being by myself and my feelings and facing yeah. it. So I think the biggest practical handle was God didn't reveal my calling to me in all of this until I until I healed. And that's not what my flesh wanted. My My flesh wanted to stay busy. My flesh wanted to move on to the next thing. And God removed all of the distractions in my life to where it was just me and him and my feelings and my therapist and my community. And I just want to encourage you that if you're going through something right now, that's so traumatic that you've never shared with somebody before, just share it with somebody that's trusted, even if it's not a therapist. Every time somebody shares something that's so deep in their heart, they, they always say the same thing. Oh, I'm so glad I got that off my chest. Why? Because God gave us kidneys to filter out the, the toxins in our blood so that we can actually be pure in our bodies and continue to move forward in a healthy way. Well, God gave us our hearts and our minds to process everything so that we can filter that and not get have to go through dialysis in our heart. So that's my big encouragement. And just the yeah. last thing that I want to say on this is that God promises to work all things for the good of those that love him. I love how you and, and Candice on a podcast, you guys did a podcast called, uh, I think it's Darkness Comes... It's it's uh Darkest Always before, the, before dawn, the
1: dawn. Yeah.
0: Right? That is straight out of the Dark Knight trilogy. And if you if you can see, uh, <laughs> I actually am a huge fan of, of the Dark Knight. I have two tattoos of my body, Jesus and Batman. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> and the reason why is because in that movie, it's about a man that's trying to take his deepest pain and bring purpose to it. And by the end of the Dark Knight trilogy, he realizes that his pain all along was so much bigger than him. And in the movie, they say, why do we fall? And in the, in the movie, they say, so we can learn to pick ourselves back up. But if I could rewrite that, I would say, why do we fall? Because often it's through falling that leads to our calling. It's the righteous man that falls seven times, but gets back up Eight. We all fall. We all collapse. But the uncollapsible soul within us, by the way, there's one uncollapsible soul. It's Jesus. But when the, when the one uncollapsible soul lives inside of you, your soul becomes uncollapsible. And that's really my biggest encouragement. Take it to others, but take it to Jesus.
1: I love it. Mike, thank you so much for your story. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for a life well lived. Before the show started, I love playing matchmaker, but I found out some great news. You're actually dating somebody.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: Look at God. Look at God. Already rebuilding. Look at this is the this is the new. The new season, honey. He is blessing you. He's so good. For those that want more information about Mike or where they can get the book, the link it will be in the show notes. But Mike, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your wisdom. I so appreciate being able to spend time with you. And until I see you again in Miami, I look forward for this podcast being out. For those that listen to the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe anywhere that you listen to your podcast, as well as if you like podcasts, leave a positive review. Otherwise, we will catch you next week, but we love you family and continue to live a life well lived with new beginnings.